on this episode of the Nationwide Real Estate Mastery Podcast. We sat down with Jay Connor to uncover how to raise private money and make a fortune in real estate. Welcome to the Nationwide Real Estate Mastery Podcast, where we provide actionable steps to help you get your first or next real estate deal. Now, during this episode, you'll discover exactly how to raise private money to make a fortune in real estate. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, my name is Sean Young, today's host, and I love all things real estate. Now, before I introduce you to our incredible guest speaker today, I want to make a request that if at any point in the show you like what you're hearing, please give us a thumbs up or subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And make sure to take a look in the description of this episode as we've packed it with thousands of dollars in free resources. Now today, we have the privilege to learn from a man who is a national speaker on the topics of private money, automation, and foreclosures. A man who has been buying and selling houses since 2003 in a population of only 40,000 with profits averaging 71,000 per deal. Has rehabbed over 450 houses and has been involved in over $52 million in transactions. Is also the best-selling author of Where to Get the Money Now. So be sure to stay until the end of this episode so that you can find out how to get that copy for free. And for the past seven years, our guest has completely automated his seven-figure income business to where he works in his business less than 10 hours per week. Now, prior to his career in real estate, he owned, uh, he was in real estate. He, he never was not in real estate. He says that real estate has always been his, his bread and butter. So guys, I want to introduce you to the one, the only, Jay Connor. Jay, thanks for being a guest on today's show. Well, hey there, Sean. Thank you so much for inviting me to come along and talk about my favorite subject and that which I'm so passionate about, and that is private money. I'm excited to be here. Man, I am excited to have you. Private money is a huge, huge, important topic for folks who are wanting to take their careers to the next level. So, Jay, before we get right into that, and I know you're super excited to, to dive into it, as am I, can you give our listeners just a brief background about who you are and where you're from? Sure. Um, well, my wife, Carol Joy, and I, we live here in eastern North Carolina in a real teeny tiny town called Moorhead City, North Carolina, population only 8,000. And we started investing in single family houses all the way back in 2003. So we've been at this for 20 plus years. Uh, small market, our total target market where we invest is only 40,000 people. Uh, we don't do that many deals. We do two to three deals a month, but with average profits over $70,000 per deal, you don't have to do that many deals, right? In a small market. The moral of that story is you don't have to be investing in a really big city or a really big market in order to make really, really big money. And so we have an amazing team. As I say, we've been at this for 20 years now, and we have a, an amazing real estate attorney, realtor, acquisitionist, to where I'm actually able to work in this business 
less than 10 hours per week. My job is to make sure the marketing machine is turned on. We've got consistent, motivated seller leads coming in and responding to our marketing every day. And so I make sure the marketing machine is turned on and I make sure we've got private money, uh, as I call it, sitting on the shelf, ready to fund our deals so that we don't miss out on any deals. And it's because of this private money and having the cash available. And no matter what kind of market we are experiencing, that makes all the difference to where you can really pick and choose the deals that you want. Nice, nice. I love it. Great, great strategy. Great philosophy. Jay, before the show got started, we were talking and uh, you shared with me that you contribute a lot of your success to your ability to be resilient and getting your day started off with gratitude before your feet even hit the floor. Why do you think this has played such a huge role in your success? Well, first of all, um, I am a man of faith. Uh, My wife is too. I met Carol Joy my first Sunday in Texas when I was moving out there. And, uh, so we've been dating and, uh, we've been, we've been dating 39 years ever since, <laughs> but I start my day with, uh, talking with the creator. I mean, after all the creator created this universe and he's in charge of everything. So I deem it pretty valuable and important to have a great relationship to the person that's in charge of it all anyway. And, you know, it's really impossible to be in a state of fear to be in a state of turmoil simultaneously while you're in a state of gratitude and praise. So it just starts the whole day for me like that while I'm still laying in bed before I hit my feet on the ground. And what ties in with that is resilience. Well, it's because of my outlook. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, Jay, are you really, really in such a good mood and positive all the time? And I say, well, yes, but that doesn't mean that I don't have struggles and challenges that come along. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. But I remind myself every morning I've got a choice as to how I want to respond to any of the challenges that come along. I learned an important formula from Jack Canfield years ago. He's the co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And I learned his formula, which is E plus R equals O, which stands for the event plus your response determines your outcome. You know, a lot of people are walking around and feel like they are victims in this world. And I say, don't be a victim, be a victor. And how do you do that? Well, no matter what happens in your life, you're 100% responsible and have the choice as to how you want to respond to that event. Therefore, you get to dictate your outcome. So yes, uh, start the day out with gratitude and praise. And that allows me to be resilient. You know, uh, so many entrepreneurs will start out and then quit because they don't feel like they can push through. Challenges are going to come along, but resilience and keeping your shoulder to the wheel uh, looking for a way to make things better. You know, it's in my story of private money that that plays itself out. When I was cut off from the banks back in 2009 and didn't have lines of credit anymore, mm-hmm. I had a choice. I could quit or I could look for a better way. So, you know, it's during these challenges and these obstacles and struggles that come along. That's where the biggest growth takes place personally and in your business. 
Jay, you've just sh shared some huge, huge golden nuggets for our audience out there. I hope that you guys were, were paying attention with, with what Jay just said. That is huge. And I feel like that, um, what you said about responding to things, it's your choice. I hear that over and over and over. And that's even a challenge of mine. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, you know, we feel like sometimes we've got to keep our game face on. And, and uh, what is our game face? So like Jay just said, we, we, we can determine that every single day. What, how do we respond to anything? We decide what that game face is that, that decides how we win. So don't let uh, things push you into changing or turning your, yourself into a sour apple, so to speak, in your pursuit of happiness. Jay, great, great stuff. Guys, I had the pleasure of, of spending a weekend with Jay and his beautiful wife um, at a mastermind event. And I'm telling you, everything that Jay is speaking right now is everything that he shared with us at, at the event as well. And I can truly tell you that this is what he lives. This is not something that he pitches. This isn't, isn't a marketing pitch. This is what Jay actually lives. So guys, that's what makes this show um, unique is that each and every show comes with a detailed actionable step plan to help you get your first or next deal, or in this case, get funding for those deals. Now that way you can pull these steps out of the show, create a blueprint and implement exactly what we're covering today. All you guys have to do is visit the link that's going to be in the description that Jay has uh, is going to allow us to utilize with his giveaways and his gift, which is going to be the money guide. All you guys have to do is visit jconnor.com forward slash money guide to get that free takeaway. And of course, remember, that'll be in the description as well. So, Jay, let's go ahead and get right into it. Where, what's your real estate business looking like today? Right. Oh, and let me say this real quick, Sean. Sure. You know, my last name's Connor, and most Connors are spelled C-O-N-N-O-R, but I'm a different kind of guy. I'm <laughs> Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R. So for everyone that wants that free money guide that's about private money, it's uh, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash money guide. Thank you for that, Sean. Um, so what's my business looking like today? Um, yeah, two to three deals a month, single family houses, mm -hmm. and uh, average median price in our area is about $325,000 on an after repaired value. Now we've got them uh, from two hundred twenty-five thousand uh, after repaired value all the way up to nine hundred thousand, but most of them hang right around that three hundred thousand dollar mark. And as I said, two to three of those a month that we do with average profits over seventy thousand. I'm working in the business less than ten hours a week because we've got our processes automated and have a fantastic team. What what do those processes look like? When when people say process, I think a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, what what is it? What is a process? What does that mean? The most important process or processes, I should say, in this business, in my opinion, after 20 years of experience, is first of all, unless you've got consistent seller leads coming in. Uh, and that can be off market. Of course, in this market, all of them are off, off market, meaning they're not in the multiple listing service. Mm -hmm. So consistency is key. And I, I say all the time, unless you have consistent seller leads coming in every day, you have a hobby. You do not have a business. So that's number one. Now, what's the process of that look like? Well, I want to get out of my own way as much as I can. 
mm-hmm. and let the process do the job. So here's what I mean by the process of seller leads coming in automatically without me being involved. For example, Google ads, pay-per-click ads are one of my number one sources right now on getting seller leads. I have three different vendors, three different companies uh, that provide me pay-per-click Google uh, leads of people where they go to Google and they're searching for, you know, sell my house fast, uh, buy my house fast, that kind of thing. And so the reason I have three different services is because I like to be in competition with myself and dominate the market. So it's like there's three different companies out there, but they're all me, right? Mm-hmm. And so people may respond to even through more than one company. So they go and they type in, well, you see, what's so valuable about a pay-per-click or a Google lead? They're one and the same thing is those people are looking for us as opposed to a Facebook ad to where a Facebook ad just shows up in their news feed. So how does the process work? Well, a motivated seller Googles looking for someone to buy their house fast in an as-is condition. Well, when they type in their information, here's how the process works. That That lead automatically uh, rings my acquisitionist, it texts my acquisitionist, mm-hmm. it is emailed, and that lead is automatically put in our software, our follow-up software. Here's a writer downer. The money's in the follow-up. The money is in, in the follow-up. follow-up. <laughs> and without a follow-up automated process, you're going to lose or not even get most of your deals. So the process that's automated, someone goes to Google, they type in their information, looking for somebody to buy their house quickly. That leads comes directly into our software. And then my entire team, that being myself, my lead manager, my acquisitionist, we're able to go in there and see exactly what's the current stage in the process of every motivated seller we have. Like, how's the process work? Well, my acquisitionist attempts to get them on the phone by calling them and texting them three days in a row. And if they're not able to get them on the phone, then, of course, there's another writer down or the older, the colder, the more time that goes by between when a lead comes in and you actually getting them on the phone to talk the less likely you'll ever do business with them. So we have a further in the process, we have a nurturing campaign to where if we don't talk to them within three days, now they're putting to the put into the automated email sequence and texting sequence to continue to try to get that seller lead on the phone. So that's part of the process is having your seller leads automated to where they're coming into your system all the time. Uh, In addition to that, what's another automated process we have of getting seller leads? I have a virtual assistant that outbound calls potential sellers. Well, that's automated because she is doing that. Now, here's another writer downer. Don't set it and forget it. So there's got to be accountability built in place. So that's what my lead manager does. My virtual lead manager is going into every lead that's in the software, making sure that everyone is being followed up with. An additional part of the process is accountability. Once a week on Tuesday mornings at 1130 a.m. Eastern time, 
I myself have a marketing team meeting with everyone that's on the team to continue to review the process, improve the process, and make sure all the leads are being worked and everybody is being held accountable. So automate your leads coming in, follow up, and make sure your accountability pieces are in place. Great, great points, guys. So if you did not know what processes are, Jay literally just broke it down for you. Processes and a team that's accountable. And guys, I speak about that all the time, about getting out of your own way, hiring a team. And if anyone out there is looking for virtual assistance or are looking for virtual assistance, head on over to reiworldsolutions.com. Get your professionally trained virtual assistant. I'm telling you guys, it's a game changer. So, Jay, what, what type of deals are are the, are you doing? I know you're doing two to three per month. Are those wholesale deals? Are those, those fix and flips? What, what are those looking like? You know what's funny, Sean? I never wholesaled a deal in 20 years. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I've stayed in every deal I've done in 20 years. I guess the reason I've never wholesaled a deal is I ain't got nobody to wholesale it to. <laughs> In my, in my small market. Um, and I guess in addition to that, you know, I like $71,000 better than $10,000. Oh, um, but uh, what are my deals looking like? Yeah, I stay in all the deals. Now, over the years, Sean, I've bought a lot of houses and sold them on rent to own. So here is uh, part of my funding criteria. You know, you don't have to use private money on every deal you do. I've bought a lot of houses subject to the existing note. Uh, some people call that on a wrap if you're actually, you know, doing it that way. But subject to the existing note means someone's looking, a seller's looking for debt relief. They want to get out from underneath those payments mm -hmm. and they will agree to sell you their property uh, while you agree to make their mortgage payments. So my rule of thumb is if I buy a single family house on terms, meaning subject to the existing note or the seller's willing to finance it, then I'll turn around and sell it on rent to own. So buy on terms, sell on terms. However, here's my statistics, Sean, after reviewing thousands and thousands of property lead sheets over the years, my stats show that only 13% of for sale by owners will sell to me what we call creatively. In other words, only 13% are willing to not get all the money when you close. They're willing to wait for the cash. However, what does that mean? That means 87% of those for sale by owners require all the money. That's why private money is so important. You know, private money is not just for bank-owned properties. It just It's just not for houses sold at auction. It's just not for foreclosures at the, you know, courthouse. Private money is for when any seller, regardless of their motivation and regardless of who they are, when a seller requires all the cash at closing, which is the majority of the case, you'll use private money for that. So, again, that's why private money is just so important. Got it. Got it. That That is huge. I know a lot of folks out there are afraid of them even thinking about trying to get private money. Um, you know, what are the advantages of using private money over other types of funding? Oh, my land, Sean, the list is very long and very, very important. First of all, when you use private money, you make the rules. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, you know, when I was borrowing money from the banks, and by the way, when I say private money, I'm not talking about hard money. 
I'm talking about getting funding from individuals, human beings, just like you, just like me. So one big reason, Sean, is we as the borrower, as the real estate investor, we set the interest rate, not the lender. Isn't that a dichotomy and shift, right? We set the rate. We set the term. We set the frequency of payments. It's our program. So when we're borrowing money from private lenders, yeah, I tell people all the time, I say, look, you know, it's interesting. I never asked anybody for money. I never asked a private lender to loan me money. I've never pitched a deal in my life. And they say, Jay, how in the world have you got eight and a half million dollars that you move from, you know, project to project, house to house? How do you have 45 private lenders? I just picked up another one yesterday. How do you have 45 private lenders? And you never asked anybody for money. Well, it's real simple. I put on my teacher hat. I got my private lending program put together, right? And I teach them what the private lending program is. What's the interest rate that I pay on deals? What's the length of the note? What's the frequency of payments? How is you as the lender can get your money back in less than 90 days in case you've got an emergency? How are you protected? You as the private lender, what happens if I don't pay you? How are you protected, right? And so we teach the private lending program. The private lender tells me how much they have. I teach them about self-directed IRAs. And, you know, I got 45 private lenders. None of them, Sean, had ever heard of private money. None of them had ever heard of self-directed IRAs and how an individual can use their retirement funds to move over to a self-directed IRA company and invest that money and to us as the real estate investor and get unlimited returns, either tax deferred or tax free. So I teach the private lending program. So in answer to your question, what's the first big benefit? You're in control. You're in the driver's seat. You set the parameters of that note. In addition to that, another big benefit of private money is there's no limit to the number of private lenders and private money we can use. When I was borrowing money from the banks, I had a limit of a million dollars, which ain't going to get you very far. But now I've got eight and a half million dollars spread across 45 different private lenders. There's no limit to the amount of funding that you can have at your disposal. Um, number three, I always bring home a big check when I buy and I take none of my own money to the closing table. Well, they say, well, Jay, how in the world does that work? I always have to bring money to the closing table when I borrow money from a bank. That's right, you do. But in this world of private money, since we buy at discounts, now we take care of our private lenders. We don't borrow more than 75% of the after-repaired value, but it's structured to where you don't have to take any of your own money to the closing table and bring home a big check. Get another big check when you sell, or if you're going to sell it on rent-to-own, Get a large non-refundable lease option deposit. What's another big reason? You don't have any, your credit has got nothing to do with how much money you can get. So your credit has got nothing to do with getting private money. That's because this is a collateral loan. So again, the list is long. There's no limit to the amount of money you can get. Uh, you're in control. You bring home money when you buy. Um, there's no personal guarantees. No personal guarantees in this world of private money. You let the real estate back that note. And this world of private money, it is a win-win scenario for the lender 
and for us as the borrower, putting you in control. Jay, that is a, a great, great breakdown. How how does someone who's brand spanking new, they, they don't have a lot of confidence in themselves, Jay. They feel like, I, I don't even know how to educate as deeply as Jay just you know explained right now, but I, I feel like I've come across opportunities that if only I had the money, I felt like I could do something. What's a, 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 how do they find, how do people find private lenders that's brand spanking new? Like you say, they're everywhere. They're all around us. But how would someone who's just brand new at this low confidence level, you know, just getting started, how to, but they want to change all that. How do they go out and find private money? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, you need to get educated, right? You need to, I mean, you're going to want to read my uh, private money guide that we're giving to you for free to really get a foundation of what private money is and what what does the program look like. Uh, so do that first. I mean, don't don't start don't start talking to a potential private lender in your network before you know what the program is and you can teach it. But let's assume you now know what the program is, you're ready to teach it, you, and, and, and it's very easy to understand. So there are three primary categories of where you find private lenders. The first category is what we call your warm market or your network. The second category is what we call your expanded warm market or your expanded network. And the third category are existing uh, private lenders that are already loaning money out to real estate investors. Let me unpack each of those categories for a moment. So your network, people that you've got some kind of association with, and I can promise you, you know a lot more people than you think you do. Let's just talk about that. Where do you know people and have connections? Well, first of all, if they are in your cell phone as a contact, they are a potential private lender and the people they know are potential private lenders. And then think about all those people that you have contact information in your email database, your email list. And then in addition to that, it's any kind of social network you're in. Who do you go to church with, right? Um, who do you play poker with on Thursday night? I mean, what what is your social network and what does it look like? Um, and then there's your, and speaking of social, what about your social contacts? What about all your contacts on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, whatever the world it is? All those connections are potential private lenders. So that's one category. The second category are what we call your expanded um, warm market or your expanded network. So what I do there is I teach people how to grow their network. And of course, we've all heard it a thousand times. Your network is in direct correlation with your net worth. Be very careful about the people that you hang around, right? Uh, Sean, I know you've heard it, uh, you know, a thousand times. Uh, Jim Rohn said it. You are the average of the five people that you hang around. Uh, But grow your network. So I teach how to grow your network. It all comes down to getting involved in your local community. You know, get involved in the Rotary Club and go there with a servant's heart, right? Mm -hmm. Get involved in your local uh, real estate investor association. Get involved in your local real estate meetup. Um, Get involved in your local chamber of commerce. All those connections uh, can be potential private lenders. The third category are existing private lenders. Again, individuals that are already loaning money out to Real estate investors. Well, where in the world do you find those? Well, don't do it the way I started out. 
when I started looking for private lenders that were existing private lenders, I hired my real estate attorney's paralegal to search for public records in our local area at the courthouse, looking for individuals that had loaned money out secured by real estate. That is here in North Carolina. That is a deed of trust. Most people call it a mortgage. And it's the deed of trust that collateralizes the note. Well, the paralegal only found two people in 90 days. I said, well, we got to find a better and quicker way. So we actually started putting together some sophisticated software, which is my private lender data feed, where we go out in the software and get every private lender note and closing and their contact information in the nation every month. And wow. uh, in the software that we have, um, uh, you can search by your zip code and get every private lender. Again, these are individuals, every private lender, real estate closing in the nation every month. And you can search by zip code. Another great place to find existing private lenders are at self-directed IRA networking events. And here's an interesting statistic, Sean, that I just learned last year. There are approximately 70% of account owners at self-directed IRAs. They want to loan money out to real estate investors. And I'm sure, Sean, you've got a self-directed IRA company that you would recommend to your audience. You know, you can, uh, you know, in, in today's market, they got virtual networking events where you can just come in on Zoom. And so wouldn't it be pretty cool to network at an event where you got 70% of the people walking around are wanting to loan you money on your real estate deals? Jay, this sounds 100% like a, a, a game, like it could be a game change for anyone who is ready to take action. Jay has just eliminated any excuse um, as far as being a newbie. It doesn't matter. What you need, as he said, is education. He has the pro the process to get you that education, and he's providing you with all the opportunities that are out there with people who are really waiting to they have their hands up saying, hey, I've got money. I, I want to lend it. I want to lend it. So he's showing you how to go get that money. Amazing. Guys, as a reminder, at any point in this show, if you like what you're hearing, please give us a thumbs up or subscribe to this show so that you never miss an episode. It's your engagement that drives us to keep doing this for the community for absolutely free. Now, Jay, what did your business like, kind of look like before private money or, or funding your deals before you started doing that? Oh, my lands. Woo, mercy. I was doing it the wrong way. I'll tell you that. But you know what? It was the biggest blessing in disguise when the challenge came along. So here's what my business looked like the first six years that we were investing in single family houses. And by the way, whether you're wanting to do single family houses, small apartments or commercial deals, it's all the same money. It's all the same money, all the same private money. You just structure the deal differently as to whether you're doing a single family house or you're doing a commercial project. But the first six years, Sean, I relied on local banks to fund my deals. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything about subject two. I didn't know anything about seller financing. I sure didn't know anything about private money. And so I just used my experience from the mobile home or manufactured housing days prior to getting into real estate investing. So I just relied on the local bank to fund my deals. And, you know, everything was just going along just beautifully and smooth from 2003 until January 2009. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I called up my banker. His name was Steve, Sean. I called up Steve. I had two houses under contract that uh, I needed funding for. And I had done business with Steve for six years with no hiccups. I told him about these two houses that I had under contract. And I learned very quickly on that telephone conversation, Sean, that they had lo- they had closed my line of credit at the bank with no notice. And, you know, I didn't know in 2009 we had a global financial crisis going on until now I got a crisis, right? <laughs> I got houses under contract, potential profit over $100,000 on these two houses. And so, I, I you know, I, I hung up the phone. I sat here at my desk. I thought for a second. And the first thing that came to my mind is I, I said, you know, Jay, you got a decision to make. You can quit or you can find a better way. And so that's, you know, my mantra that I came up with. It's impossible for you to fail unless you choose to quit. And quitting wasn't an option for me. So the next question I asked myself is a ride or downer if you're listening to this show. And that is whenever you come across a challenge, an obstacle, a struggle, a fear, anything that you like that you're having to deal with, ask yourself the question, who do I know that can help me with my circumstance? You know, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy wrote a book that's just phenomenal. Um, it's about it's, it's not how it's who. Right. So who do I know? Who do you know? They can help me with my situation. So I asked myself that question, and I immediately thought of my friend Jeff, uh, who was a real estate investor at the time uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina. I called him up, and I told him what had just happened, and Jeff said, well, Jay, welcome to the club. I said, what club? He said, the club of losing your line of credit at the bank. They just shut me down last week. And I said, well, how are you funding your deals? He said, well, have you ever heard of private money? And I said, no. And so he told me about private money and what private money was. Well, I put on my uh, study cap. I studied private money and learned all about it. And then I put my program together and started teaching people. In less than 90 days, I attracted, without trying to talk anybody into anything, I attracted $2,150,000 in new funding, Sean, that I didn't have and. Since that time, that's been the biggest impact on our business is private money. It changed everything. Jay, you are dropping some jewels, brother. I'm telling you, I'm going to take action on your program as well. I'm I'm not a big proponent of, of using private money. Not of not like I'm against it at all. I'm I'm huge. Let's do it all day. I've just never been. That's not been my cup of tea or my avenue. When I do use private sort of funding or private. The private route is through my subject two deals or my lease option sandwich option type, you know, sandwich lease option deals, but never raising large amounts of money for a project, so to speak. So, Jay, um, even me with my years of experience and success, I'm listening to you like, brother, this is something that I need to add to my to my, um, you know, what I do right now to my business right away. So we are much are in high, much appreciation of what you're sharing. And um, thank you so much. Jay, let me ask you this, brother. Um, what is the the difference between private and, and hard money? You know, I, sometimes it's just confusing for people. I know hard money is like institutional, can be called institutional lending or money. But what is the big difference between it? And should one go to one or the other? Is there a benefit? 
Right. Yeah. The difference between a hard money lender. And by the way, I've got some great friends that are hard money lenders and, and own the brokerages. I say establish as many relationships as you can with as many funding sources. Um, but don't let private money not be in your arsenal. So the difference between hard money and private money is a hard money lender is a broker of money. In other words, the hard money lender uh, or company goes out and raises money directly from individuals. They're raising the private money, and then they turn around as the hard money lender and loan that out to you as the real estate investor at a higher interest rate. I just got off the phone this morning with a good friend of mine that's a hard money lender. His interest rate right now is 11% and three points, three origination fees. Well, in that first year, you're already right now at 14%. I'm paying my private lenders 8%, no points, and it's either interest-only payments or accruing interest-only. So one big difference is private money, you're doing business directly with individuals. Hard money, you're doing business with a brokerage, right? And another big difference between hard money and private money is how much money will the lender advance you when you purchase? Well, with hard money right now today, I just talked to my friend this morning. He's loaning out at a loan to value, no matter how good your deal is. When you buy it, he's only going to loan you 80, 75 to 80% of the purchase price. Well, with private money doing business with individuals, I'm going to get 100% of my purchase price and 100% of renovations if there are renovations, you know, involved. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, another big difference, your hard money lender is going to require an appraisal. Uh, we never have to get appraisals for private lenders. Uh, we use our realtors comparative market analysis. Um, as I mentioned, we always bring home a big check when we borrow from private lenders. There's no points. There's no extension fees. Um it just really takes the handcuffs off of uh, you and your business and just really uh, puts you in control. Um, you know, you save a lot of money and you don't have to take any money to the closing table. Got it. Awesome. What would, um, what would be some key indicators when someone knows that they should use private money? Like, is there something that jumps out at, at that, that jumps out at you that says, Hey, this is a, a private money opportunity versus a traditional route of wholesaling it or, you know, going sure. to hard money. So, um, so two answers to that, Sean, when to use private money, mm -hmm. first of all, you don't need private money. If you're going to wholesale it, if you don't want to stay in the deal, you don't need all private money. You wholesale and get your assignment fee. Get out. Uh, the other, the other answer is when the seller requires all the money, when you buy, your answer is private money. Simple, guys. He, he said it earlier, 87% of the people for sale by owner, they want that money up front. That's that. That's where that private money comes in. So I hope this is being drilled in. I hope that you guys are understanding. And um, this is a huge, huge, valuable um, podcast episode. So again, I thank you so, so much. Jay, what was the lowest point in your business? I know you, you're, you're killing it right now. You're crushing it. But what was the lowest point? And did you ever consider going back to like a nine to five? I never considered going back to nine to five. I just I just can't imagine what that would look like. 
I've been, I've, I've, I've been, uh, I've been steering the wheel, you know, for uh, 20 years. Um, but my lowest point, well, my lowest point was when I was cut off from the banks. I mean, I just didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like I was at a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when you don't know about private money, you just don't know what you don't know. Um, and so that was a very, very low point, but you know, that low point did not last long. Um, another big low point was a big mistake that I made only three years into the business. Mm-hmm. I bought, and I was using bank money, but I bought a, um, a condominium oceanfront over at Atlantic beach. And my buying criteria was upside down. I bought the property with anticipation of flipping it and counting on appreciation. I did not take into account, what if I need to hold that property? Can that property cash flow? Mm-hmm. Can that property bring in enough money per month and cover my underlying debt? Well, I learned a big lesson right there. Regardless of your exit strategy, always run the numbers and make sure that if you're stuck holding a property, then it will cash flow based on what you can rent it out for. Powerful, powerful information. Huge, huge information. Guys, I'm hoping that everyone is out there taking notes. If you're not, rewind it, go back, listen again, because Jay is literally giving super, super gems here. He's giving nuggets that'll help you guys change, just change the, tra- the trajectory of your, your wholesaling real, or excuse me, not your wholesaling, but your real estate career, because you're not stuck with just wholesaling. You have multiple exit strategies. So if you've been like myself, where you've kind of been in, in your own lane with blinders on saying, Hey, I just want to conquer wholesaling or conquer lease options or subject twos. Well, guys, Jay is telling you, you can't go at it that way. You got to really look at it at the numbers and say, what makes sense? What's the best usage of this of this opportunity here? And if private money is the way to go, then that's the way that we're going to go. Jay, what what is your um, you know, what's your why? Why do you why are you doing this? Why are you trying to help others get private money? You're you're doing very well for yourself. Yeah, I'm glad you asked the question, Sean. You know, I've reached a place in my life and in my career that making a difference, making an impact and, uh, you know, giving back is the most important thing to me. You know, my wife and I, we reached a point in our life. If I wanted to sit at home on the sofa and eat Cheetos and, you know, watch whatever TV program, I've got that choice, but I would lose my mind. We've reached a time in our life, uh, what I call significance. And that is you're at a point to where you don't need the money. You don't have to have the money. But you know what? In my experience, unless you got a purpose and a reason to get out of bed in the morning, then life's going to be pretty depressing and boring. I always say, look to serve, have a servant's heart, put the other person ahead of yourself. And that's going to give you an opportunity to serve, make a difference, and that kind of satisfaction, you can't put a value on it. Boom. And there you have it. And there you have it. Golden. Jay, we have reached uh, the section of the podcast that I like to call the rapid fire section. And this is where I just ask you a question and you let me know the first thing that comes to mind. You got it. All right. Let's do it. On a scale of one to 10, how strict were your parents? Hmm. 
I would say eight. Get up early or stay up late? I want to stay up late. I make myself get up early. <laughs> How many hours of sleep do you get each night? Seven. Favorite or last book read? Favorite. University of Success by Og Mandino. Mm. If you could be any superhero, who would it be? Oh, my. Um, I would say my dad. Something everyone should do less of. What should someone do less of? Less of? Stop complaining. Something everyone should do more of. Putting the other person first. Bitcoin, bang or bust? Well, I don't have any experience, and it's been my uh, it's been my experience that if I don't know anything about it, I'm not investing in it. Understood, understood. Will people live on Mars in your lifetime, Jay? No. Wow. This has been a great, great episode, Jay. I thank you so, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. You know, what final thoughts would you like to share with our listeners out there before we wrap it up? The most important, uh, <laughs> the most important um, thought that I would share to you as a listener to Sean's show is do not do what I did by starting in this business without a mentor, without someone you can work with that already knows where the mines are, where the pitfalls are. Don't go about this business by yourself. Golden, golden. Jay, how can our audience reach you out there to get more information on what you do? Absolutely. Well, as we said earlier, I'm so excited about the private money guide that I just recently wrote. It will get you on the fast track to private money to where it will put you in control and allow you to never miss out on a deal that you want to get in. And that is my private money guide is titled Seven Reasons Why Private Money Will Skyrocket your real estate business, and help you build incredible wealth. You can download it for free at www.jayconner.com forward slash money guide. That's jayconner.com forward slash money guide. And that'll get you on the fast track to private money. And there you have it, guys. There you have it. Head right on over there. Take advantage of that right now. Right now. When is the time to do it? Now, guys. Now. So Jay, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show and adding so much value to my audience. Thank you so much, brother. God bless you, Sean. Yes, sir. And to our listeners out there, you guys have made it to the end of the show. So give yourselves a pat on the back because most people never finish what they start. And you just did. So if you got any value out of today's show, please share this with a friend or on your Facebook page, like this video, subscribe to our channel and send us topics that you want to learn more about. So until the next episode, you can catch me on any one of my social media platforms. I'll see you guys on the other side. With this crown on my head, I'm seated on the throne. The top is so alone. Only thing that keeps me gone is I know my city love me. I know my city love me. I know my city love me. I know my city love me.